Hey guys, if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please know that help is available. Call now at 833-999-1877 or click the Info Addiction Help link on the top right corner of this video. Addiction specialists are available to offer support 24-7. Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate, and today I have my boy, Corey. What's up, bro? Hey, how are you, Brian? I'm good, bro. So It's crazy, bro. You hit me up, and you're like, wow, I have, you told me you have six years. And I was like, dude, I can't believe that. It's so wild. Unbelievable. You know okay, what? Goosebumps. Yeah, so we were talking about the first brother man. Yeah. People don't call you brother man anymore? No, I retired it. You retired it? I retired it. Who started calling you brother man, K-Rod? No, I think maybe like Jared and all those other people. Big yeah, Jared from yeah. the football team from Western and all them. I think you're you're older than me, right? Yeah, by like a year or two. Okay. 33? What are you, 30, I'm 32. 31? I'm 32. 32. Yeah, I think I'm a year younger than you and you were a year younger than them. Correct. Right? A year or two, yeah. My first introduction to you was we were at, at Kevin's house. I remember like these girls were like, oh, he's so cute. Da, 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 da. And then you just got like so fucked up. You were in the bathtub, like throwing oh up or something. And the girls were like, what the fuck happened to him? And, uh, and I didn't it, know you were there. Yeah. Yeah. I was there. That was a wild You remember time. that? Yeah. That was, how could I forget? Yeah. And then you said I sold you weed or something? Yeah. You sold me some bud. Yeah. I think that night I did like 28 shots. Wow. Yeah. You got wasted. Yeah. You, you were probably ninth I grade ninth grade something like that yeah because yeah. that means i was in like probably seventh or eighth yeah it's crazy yeah yeah that was a wild time i remember which is funny because like when i tell people like bro in seventh grade i was the plug correct i was like selling like to everyone yeah seniors yeah <laughs> it was crazy yeah it's interesting to think about that like as we're adults now because like i have a lot of friends with kids that age and they're just totally normal it's insane we started mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. very young 11 12 davy yeah davy Western Indian Ridge. I was always by the strawberry farm. Yeah. On uh, 420, my dad's birthday. You know what was the saddest thing I've ever seen with you was, uh, I remember I was at a Dunkin' Donuts, and I don't know if you remember this. I probably had probably like seven years clean, maybe six years clean, and I remember I bumped into you. Bro, you were so gone. You had like drugs coming out of your pocket. I think This was on 84? Yeah. Do you remember this? Lately. Oh, dude, you were so gone. You were, like, falling over yourself. I and... think the girl just called the cops on me that day. Really? Yeah, this girl kept calling the cops on me. You were with uh, Aaron, and she was, like, in a wheelchair? Yeah. I don't remember. Aaron, with the... I was with someone in a wheelchair? Yeah, she passed away. I don't know if you know, know that. No. Yeah, I don't want to say her last name on the show, no. but I'll tell you later. No, no, it's okay. I don't remember her. Yeah, I, I kind of white remember girl. running into you, but... Yeah, I remember you just being so gone, and I was just like, man, for the grace of God, there goes I. No. And bro, I was there doing step work. I had my sponsees coming to meet me in a little bit, you know? Big blur. Yeah. I was taking a lot of Xanax. That's probably Yeah, you were a big Xanax guy. Always, always taking Xanax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's You crazy. have anxiety? Me? Right now? <laughs> no, I'm just saying in general. Oh, of course. I think we all have anxiety. 
major anxiety. But I mean, now today, I mean, I do speaking for a living, so which is yeah. crazy. I mean, I remember my buddy Bo brought me to. Uh, yeah, I remember you being so barred out for years, you couldn't talk much. Couldn't. <laughs> I thought I could. You're like always mumbling. No one wanted to talk to me it anymore. It's so crazy. It's crazy. I went from a very popular person. I was yeah. at that party with you. And mm -hmm. I just remember that I was naked in the tub and all these girls were giving me a bath and it was really bad. I think I was painted on and everything yeah. was a bad night. Yeah. It was a real bad night over there. <laughs> but yeah, because it was so interesting because like you were like, you know, this young, good looking kid and then you would just use and then fucking become a total nightmare it's crazy yeah no i remember the first time i tried xanax was with all those kids wow. and i was in the back of the car with jordan and i think kevin was there mm -hmm. and i remember i stepped out of the car and i just kind of wobbled it was like my first experience like wow you know because mm. i used to laugh at the kids that were doing that stuff yeah. i couldn't believe it i was like oh fucking losers mm -hmm. you know and then all of a sudden there was i hanging around all the older kids yeah and jordan ended up having all the pharmacies and yeah then I ended up leaving Western to go to St. Thomas, and that even got worse mm -hmm. because then I got around all the older kids, more money over there, and then all the yeah. my buddy's dad was the number one pain management clinic wow. to run South Florida. So let's uh, let's rewind. So yeah. what what's uh, like childhood like for you? Childhood, I grew up in Plantation. I was born right here from Jacaranda upstairs. Mm -hmm. uh, come from four mom and dad still married today. We always grew up around partying, going to all the football games, University of Miami games, tailgating, drinking. And I remember from a young age that I always kind of wanted to be like my dad and, and drink like my dad. I remember mm -hmm. the first time my dad let me drink a beer and smoke a cigarette like my uncle and smoke a cigar like him. And I think we ended up going to Grand Prix. Mm. And you remember Grand Prix mm -hmm. and uh, my mom was out of town and then it, the whole video was recorded. And I think that's really where it kind of started. I think I was... I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten years old. Mm -hmm. You know, we see eight, nine, and ten-year-olds. None of them are doing that. Yeah, today. they're not drinking and smoking cigars. <laughs> nah. So, but from an early age, that's what I was doing. And then I tried forever to get sober out here because I remember I asked you to be my sponsor when I was like mm -hmm. 19 and I was going to the meeting at the West Broward Club mm -hmm. for Marijuana Anonymous. And I was uh, falling asleep there. I remember that one guy, you know who he is. I'll think of his name uh -huh. or whatever. But I remember he drove my car home from there, and mm -hmm. I was falling. And that's when I met Carl over there. Mm -hmm. I met you and Carl a long time ago over yeah. there. And then I put everything together. And I remember I think I called you maybe for like 30 days. But yeah. I even think I remember when I was calling you, I was going to get some drugs. Yeah. I just couldn't get sober, you know. And I stayed out here. My parents ended up lost the whole family business. And then we were literally off of Jacaranda with no electricity and water we were literally wow. going down to the clubhouse to go over there and shower for a little while which was mm. crazy then we moved to the broward mall we were living at the hotel over there for like a month and a half two months mm. by the broward mall at a hotel i've stayed there before it's bad. bad it's not like it's weird you would think that it's nice over there it's not no it's terrible yeah so I remember my brother ended up calling me. He's like, hey, mom and dad want to go to Fort Lauderdale. And so we ended up moving to Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. And we were staying at a little hotel. And me, my brother, my mom and dad, my sisters were gone. There was four of us. Mm -hmm. Sisters were at their boyfriend's house. And it was just me, my mom, my dad, and my brother. But even before that, the cops were at my house pretty much. They all knew me. I get pulled over every time they mm -hmm. see me. You know, just what happens when you use drugs and alcohol. Yeah, you were always like blacked out. <laughs> yeah, I was, for a long time, I couldn't stay sober no matter what. Mm -hmm. I went to meetings and arrested numerous times. I don't even want to say how many times. Yeah. And I remember the one guy when he was bringing me up to the detox level on the fourth floor, he says, were you just here last week? Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, I was. 
he says, all right. I said, I don't know what, you know, I can't, can't, you know, he's like, well, listen, once you get sick and tired of being tired, that's when you'll get tired. And even <laughs> then I couldn't stop. And to rewind a little bit, when I was in plantation, I remember I snuck out of the house. It was my birthday. We lost the company. So no one had jobs. Mm. I mean, it was, it's no way you want to see your parents, you know, mm -hmm. that grew up four kids. They did a great job, but alcohol runs in the family. It's a family disease. Same with drugs. You know, mm -hmm. my biggest thing was drugs. You know, I'm part of the 12 step program. I just remember I snuck out of the house. I went to Hollywood and I literally went back to this house where the guy pulled out the gun on me. And I was crazy enough to show up at his doorstep. He pulled it out on me just because I needed to go ahead and cop. And I copped that morning. And then later that night, I didn't have a license anymore. I didn't have a license for like three years. And I snuck out of the house, stole my parents' car, ended up in the Save-A-Lot parking lot in Hollywood. Mm. And, you know, I know this is live, so you have to be careful what you say. But at the same time, I was not alive. Yeah. And uh, I was dead. And someone found me over there in the car, some lady. Wow. And I was blue in the Tahoe. And they couldn't open the car door because it was turned off. So they smashed the, uh, the passenger window mm -hmm. to get me out of there. And How old are you at this time? I was 25. And I actually ended up going to a rehab at 24 because my parents told me I needed to go ahead and I need help. Mm -hmm. They were always the ones trying to help me. And it's crazy how the entire story switches. Mm -hmm. um, now I've been able to help them and be an example. That night, I went to the hospital after it killed me. And I got home three days later. And I ended up doing that same exact substance. The same one that, that killed me. Mm -hmm. And... And I did it in a different way. I didn't use it the same way I used it before that killed me. Yeah. But that's just the insanity of it. And then we ended up, like I said, back to the Broward Mall. We moved to Fort Lauderdale. We were living in this hotel. And I remember I didn't have a car. My dad ended up big guy, 6'4", 240, you know, football player type <laughs> mm -hmm. of guy. Fast, you know, always looked up to him, scrappy guy. He was falling down. My mom's falling down. Everyone literally has eggs on their head. It was insane. And then here goes I. I ran into, we got out of that place because we couldn't find a place to live. And we've got lucky enough. One of my sister's boyfriends got us a place to stay. And you actually took me to that place. Remember on Sunrise by the Galleria Mall? You dropped me off there. Maybe. I don't, I don't remember. No. Long time. So, you know, I went to the rehab at 24, got out, got about two months. Right after that, I went back to the same drug dealer's house. Hmm. And I wanted to go ahead and look and laugh at everyone that was going there. Like, you know, I was better than because I'm not using anymore. Yeah, that's weird. A lot of drug addicts do that. I remember when I first got clean, I used to like ride around places I used to use with the windows down in case someone see me to be like, look at me, hang out with my using friends and be like, oh, I don't, I don't do that stuff anymore. A lot of ego. And it's like, bro, you have a week clean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course. Like false pride and stupidity emptiness yeah you know and so you know we ended up going over there where you know i think i was going to that one meeting i forgot what meeting it was but mm -hmm. you ended up taking me home there and i ran into my buddy bo i don't know if you know bo big guys like six five with mm -hmm. tats. you mm -hmm. know bo right you met him before and i remember him on facebook and he was like posting all these pictures of cash and i had no cash mm -hmm. and i had no job so i asked him i said hey i said can i work he said yeah i'll pick you up at five in the morning Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, no problem. So, of course, I had my Xanax. I had all the stuff in there. So he picked me up at 5 in the morning. And I'm starting working on the ships, doing yacht transportation, which some of these guys, you know them, mm -hmm. that are working over there. And I worked out there for like a year and a half. And, I mean, I'm working 19-hour days. But I remember 
I got off the ship and I asked Bo, I said, hey, you mind if I drink a couple beers? He's like, I don't give a fuck what you do. I'm mm-hmm. like, it was the, and and he, at that time, he had nine months sober. And mm-hmm. We used to use together. Mm-hmm. So I was looking up at him like he was just the almighty, yeah. you know? He ended up telling me I was going to die. And I remember I said, how dare you tell me I'm going to die? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I've already died. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's telling me I'm going to die. Yeah, you, you get know? offended by it. Yeah, so... I ended up, he brought me to a meeting in Fort Lauderdale, and that's pretty much when I s- tried to start getting sober. Right around a year and a half, I think mm-hmm. I relapsed like seven times, going to meetings almost every day. Mm. I'd get like sober, and I'd go back out for three, four days. What do you think it is in someone's like mental and spirit that like they just can't accumulate and put days together? You know what I mean? Like, I think just the mental fog from the the addiction of the drugs. Mm-hmm. I think, like you said, when you would see me, I, I would think I'd be talking, but I guess I wasn't even making sense. <laughs> Man, for a long time, you were like just, and I remember you'd be clean. You'd be clean like a couple months or something. You were just so fucked up from the drugs. Yeah, goosebumps, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and then I kept relapsing. Then I ended up going to this one meeting called Victory. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. You have heard of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I went there and Bo brought me there and he's talking to everyone at this time. He's about to pick up a year. I remember he's talking to everyone, like, how are you talking to everybody? Stop talking to everyone. I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. I was scared. You know, he's talking to everyone. I, I hadn't been able to talk to anyone sober in many, many years. Yeah. Unless I, I was always high for a very long time. Yeah. I remember even raising my hand. I'd raise my hand. I'd be so scared to raise my hand. But I, I raised it anyways because I'd feel better after. Yeah. You know? And for like a year and a half, I kept relapsing. But I didn't have a license. And then I got a new job doing this, this timeshare stuff. I remember I got this one check, and it was, it was a nice check. I hadn't seen a check ever like that in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And I had just relapsed. And I said, I either can go ahead and I can go left or I can go right, and I can break the family chain and have some success here and be a whole new person. And I held on to that because at that point in time, we, were, we had no money at all. Mm-hmm. And that job, I stayed at that one job for close to right around a year and a half, and I finally— and you After, stayed clean? For 15 months, okay. I, I was relapsed. And I get 30 days, 90 wow. days, 60 days, 120 days, back to 30. Mm. I never could get six months. And then finally, right after 15 months, I started staying sober again. I got my license, mm. which was a big thing. I remember my dad at 27 years old, 26 years old, taking me to DMV to get my license. Wow. And I remember I hadn't drove in years, but I was also taking my car, driving reckless. I don't mm-hmm. even need to get into all the stories, but I mean, high-speed chases. I mean, I remember I went on a high-speed chase and I got away. Mm-hmm. Went into Target, stole all the clothes, <laughs> and walked out with the, the whole entire thing surrounded. Mm-hmm. But that was just my day-to-day. Every day was a movie for mm-hmm. me, you know? Yeah, I remember when, when I got clean, one of the things that I missed the most about using was car chases. Car chases. Because it's like, um, you know, I would rob a lot of drug dealers when I was using, and, like, I've been in, like, you know, probably, like, six real car chases that are, like, you know, 15-minute long car chases. And it was exciting, you know? And I remember just, like, driving my car, my mom's car, and just feeling, and, like, boredom sinks in. You know, you're just like, what am I going to do? Just go to a fucking job every day and of course. drink this stale were the coffee. Cop, were the cops ever chasing you too? Uh, no, I've never had, I've never been chased by the cops. I won't get into the story, but it, <laughs> it, it was, it was, I mean, every day my yeah. day was like a movie. I didn't even believe that story existed yeah. until I had all the clothes that I stole and they were gator clothes and I wow. hate the gators. I'm wow. a UM fan. And I had them all in there in mm-hmm. the wash and dryer room. I was a mess for a very long time. Everyone, they, they didn't think I was going to live like mm-hmm. you, you've seen. It's me. interesting because I know that people are going to see this and be like, wow, I can't believe that kid got sober. 
because like you are like a true testament of like people have known you in like Davey that went to school with you that probably just seen you in and out. Like they probably run like I, I would run into you, you know, and you just be fucking not even there, just you know, 100 percent gone for a long time. And mm-hmm. I and then I ended up being in a bad name. No one wanted to talk to me from yeah. a super popular kid to no one messed with me at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, that's know? my story, too. You know, at all. And, and then I would do all the things that we do. You know, and and thank God to the 12-step program. You know, it literally, it's done everything for me, you know. And that's like the point of the podcast because I feel like so many people are like, they think the 12 steps are like weird or like corny or, you know, because in Florida we have a lot of young people. So there's people that listen to this podcast that live in Ohio or, you know, Indiana or something like small places where there's not like a big recovery community or at least a young one. The podcast, you know, is able to like show people like, look, man, like a lot of people do get clean and have fun and, you know, the program works. No, I know. And I, and I mean, I remember watching you forever from Facebook. I remember mm-hmm. when you first were opening up uh, United Recovery Project. I congratulated mm-hmm. you. I remember all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and I mean, you were that one person, you, Carl, were those people that I knew that had gotten sober. And then Bo came into yeah. my life. And thank God for him, because this guy would come to my house every time I'd relapse and mm. just tell me I love you and try to get into wow. my house. And I wouldn't let him in. And my dad let him in. My dad tells me about the story. He threw me over my, his shoulders. Mm. And, and brought me into his car and brought me to a meeting. I mean, I flushed all my drugs and everything down the toilet so many times with people I didn't even know, older people, because I ended up joining this other 12-step program. They're all the same to me. Mm-hmm. I just found a lot of love. All my friends, I remember for three years, all my friends were 56 years old. Yeah. And it was just me. And I remember Friday night, I go to this meeting and I get out and I was going home all by myself, you know. But we ended up living in this house over there where you dropped me off in Fort Lauderdale by the Galleria for mm-hmm. close to right around 17 months. And then I was able to work in that job. I relapsed that day that we got basically, I don't know if we got a victim, I'm pretty sure we did. Mm-hmm. And we moved to this other place. And I was able to put up the financial means for my family, my mom, mm-hmm. my dad, my brother. And I was living upstairs. I'm my first time living by myself. I'm upstairs, they're downstairs. I have my own door. To me, that was a big deal. Yeah. But the house was still smelling like pot. I mean, it was not an easy scene to get, you know, sober. And mm-hmm. I remember people say all the time, like, oh, my parents or my brother. I mean, you can get sober 100,000%, you know, mm-hmm. even with all the chaos, because I did. And I won't yeah. even get in because I know who might even mm-hmm. watch this. I mean, it was. So- yeah, I have a friend right now who's, in, well, he was in California. He would make it six months and use and six months and use and eight months and use. Brought him down to Florida. And he texted me last night, like, dude, I think I'm getting kicked out of halfway. I just punched this kid in the face. And I'm like, just don't use. And he's like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I'm like, bro, don't matter if you sleep on a bench, just don't use. And he was like, you know, the cops are here. They're escorting me out. Just don't use. And he'd be like, man, I fucked up. I don't know what to do. I was like, just don't use. He's like, I'm not going to use. Five minutes later, he's like, I feel like using. <laughs> Did he use? No, he didn't use. Thank God. And uh, someone in the program picked him up, and he's like, I'm with so-and-so. I was like, thank God. And then he was like, I might go stay at this guy's house, but he's using. And I was like, bro, it would be better to stay under a bridge. You know, just. You are who you surround yourself with. And I was like, dude, you getting kicked out of halfway feeling like using, go stay with someone who's using is the dumbest thing I've ever even could think about. He stayed clean. So it's like. Like a lot of times people think like they're going to get clean. It's going to be like this smooth road. It's no. like, man, so many fucked up things happen your first year. You just don't use and then uh, keep coming. That's all you learn your first year. Your first year, all you learn is keep coming. Correct. 
That's it. You know, e- even it with your parents and everyone, the people that raised you, you were always the problem. Now, all of a sudden, they're the problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say they're the problem because they were the ones that bailed me out of jail. Mm-hmm. You know, but even at that house by the Galleria Mall, I remember the cops. We got a new place. We're there. We're finally living in a nice neighborhood. We had a little bit of money to live there. And the cops are at the house within three times within three weeks. Mm-hmm ambulance everyone's on top of me trying to go ahead and like calm me down i lived on my bicycle i was on my bike everywhere i go and i always tell everyone in the meeting it wasn't even my bike it was Mm -hmm. my dad's bike i had nothing Mm -hmm. you know and i remember that i ended up going working for a union job and i slept out three three days in a row on a cardboard box upstairs Mm -hmm. just so i knew i was safe you know no one wanted Mm -hmm. anything to do with me and i remember i was even by the uh the hospital right off of 84 and I got Baker acted for my first time mm. and I got out in the whole green jumpsuit. No one to pick me up. I'm walking on 84 in a whole green jumpsuit, mm-hmm. no shoes, nothing in hundred degree weather, you know? And I remember my dad drove past me and he turned around and thank God he picked me up. Wow. And he was like, Listen, he's like, we can't have you around anymore, mm. you know? And that was when I ended up going to that one job mm-hmm. pretty much right after I got Baker acted, but speeding things up, we moved by orange right off of 84. Now I'm in Fort Lauderdale and we lived out there for, we got evicted from the one place basically. And then I put up the means to go ahead and live over there. And I stayed sober there from day one of getting evicted for like seven months until I just could not do it anymore. And I ended up by the grace of God, I found a place in Victoria Park. This guy said, listen, you have no history, you have no credit, you have nothing. But I had some money in the bank to go ahead and pay three or four months to go ahead up front, which he wasn't used to. Mm -hmm. So he allowed me to go ahead and move in there. And I had nothing. And I remember that first day I went to City Furniture with my dear friend. I got like a couch and I got a bed. And slowly but surely I worked that whole entire place I lived into like a home. And by that time I was doing real good at my job. And then my buddy tried to get me in the home improvement space. And then I ended up getting in the home improvement space. And it's just crazy how like life is. Like, and you were sober since then? I've been sober since then. Wow. But I mean, it, it took a long time. You yeah. know, I'm, I passed a lot of the crazy stories mm-hmm. out, you know, yeah. but it was one of the greatest gifts of my life. The biggest thing I believe that helped me was uh, calling and calling someone when I felt mm-hmm. anger or was upset, you know, it takes all the power away from actually picking up the phone, mm-hmm. you know, and calling someone and telling them how you feel. And most importantly, praying in the morning and praying at night. Because every time yeah. I relapsed, I didn't pray in the morning, mm-hmm. you know. It's just, you know, I ended up getting that job with the home improvement company. And I don't even like to say it because I don't even care. But I was the number one guy over there out of 200 people. Mm-hmm. You know, how is that? Someone that literally had <laughs> nothing, you know. I'm yeah. the number one guy there for three years in a row. And. You know, that's just the program. It's not, that's not everyone's story, but that was just like the gift God gave me mm-hmm. and I was open to receive it. Since then, I've been able to be an example for my family this entire time. Mm-hmm. And um, How important was like doing service when you got sober? Very important. I mean, I, I had a commitment. I had a home group. I was making coffee. I was before the meeting mm-hmm. and after the meeting, every meeting. And I went to a meeting and called my sponsor every day for two years. Yeah. I mean, I didn't miss. Yeah, and that's what I try to explain to people because I see people get six months and they're going to meetings three times a week. And I'm just like, bro, I didn't do that. And Dude, I went every single day for probably two years. And I remember there were times where I would miss a meeting on Friday and be like, I need to go to two on Saturday. Correct. You know, and like, I didn't see it as like, oh, I went to my meeting today. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll go to another one or let, let's go to a meeting in Miami. And, and I got to know so many people and a lot of people go to recovery or go to meetings and like, 
like they hit their meeting, they go home. It's like, bro, you got to like get involved and dive in and get to know Super people involved. and do service and go to this one and go to that one. And, and then you got to reach out to the newcomer and call the newcomer and pick up the newcomer. It's like, bro, when I had five, six, seven years clean, even till today, like, you know, I have this guy that I'm sponsoring. He's brand new. It's like, it's exciting for me, you know, so he's, he's new. And, uh, you know, I like taking people to meetings. And I remember when I first got clean, there was this guy and he would show up to every meeting with like five newcomers. And he had years clean. And I remember just thinking, like, like that's the coolest thing. Like, yeah, to no, me, I, that was like, you know, what, what a man did, you know? Yeah, and, and I remember, you know, I didn't have anyone to pick me up. People always like, oh, I don't have a ride. I ran from the Galleria Mall to the 12-step house to make the meeting at wow. the Nooners. And, I mean, that was, like, my desire. I mm -hmm. ran seven miles just to get to the meeting because mm -hmm. that's how desperate I was. And I always say I had the greatest gift of desperation. Mm -hmm. You know, I surrounded myself around all those people. I still surround myself with all those people. That is my entire life today. Mm -hmm. You know, the most beautiful thing in the world is just what God's given me to be able to go to meetings, help other people, have a home group, be connected. You know, and I got so connected on the east side of town. And then I met a friend at the 12-step house. And then mm -hmm. I ended up going to this other this west side group. A whole nother 200 friends I had. Instant family. Mm -hmm. You know, I just kept coming back no matter what. It didn't matter how many times I relapsed, no matter what. I remember sitting in the back room every time I relapsed. And I kind of be joking around. And it wasn't really even funny. But I kept coming no matter what. You know, we'll love you till you can love yourself. Because I definitely didn't love myself. I hated the person in the mirror. For a very long time. Mm -hmm. Just being here with you right now, he's like, oh, I don't know if I wanted mm -hmm. to go ahead and have it on live. You know, I yeah. thought about it for a little mm -hmm. bit. I was like, I wasn't even alive to be able to have the gift to come in here and see you like yeah. this. Like, I remember when, I think it was your sister that presented you with your one year yeah. medallion. Was that correct? Uh huh. Yeah. And mom was there. Yeah, dad my was, family there. was there. Everyone that was there. That probably was like 18 months, I mean, 18 months or two years. I think my first year medallion, I, don't, I think it was just me that went. I don't think my family was really like, like so. going it, it might have been 18 months might have been 18 I months have, you know but either way you know yeah. i just remember maybe before, it was my sister at the pm recovery no it was at the west brower club oh, yeah west brower club yeah yeah at the west brower club and i remember you know everyone you know the judge would tell me to go to the meetings people would mm -hmm. tell me to go to the meetings and then i always want to do Corey's way it was yeah. always Corey's way and Corey's way doesn't work you know and i i, I, I lost all my excuses i i was hopeless People just picked me up. That's why you bringing people to me. I'll take people to meetings. I'll bring them to meetings. I'm all about doing service and helping the guy that- I was at a meeting last night. You were at a meeting last night. You know. It's the best thing ever. Hey guys, if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please know that help is available. Call now at 833-999-1877 or click the info addiction help link on the top right corner of this video. Addiction specialists are available to offer support 24 seven. Welcome to the Genesis House powered by the United Recovery Project. Located in sunny South Florida, we offer drug and alcohol addiction treatment as well as a major focus on dual diagnosis. Our addiction therapy programs include behavioral therapy, 12-step facilitation, psychotherapy, life skills training, and more. At our facility, you can expect a low client to staff ratio, daily group therapy, weekly one-on-one -on -one therapy sessions, and luxury amenities such as volleyball, basketball, pool, chiropractor, personal trainer, yoga, massage therapy, and more. Contact the United Recovery Project today and let's create a better tomorrow.
even with six years, I picked up six years and my sister was able to give me my six year medallion on Friday mm -hmm. and she just picked up uh, 30 days. Like That's I told incredible. you, it's like, you never know who's going to come with you, yeah. you know? And it's just, you just lead by example. I remember I was going through a hard time and my sponsor told me, and I always had a sponsor no matter what, mm -hmm. you know, and a home group and a commitment. Mm -hmm. My sponsor always just told me it didn't matter how bad times were with the family and everything. He said, just lead by example. It's the most powerful thing you can do. Mm -hmm. So when I hear people going through it with their family, I said, you just lead by example, you know, and don't pick up no matter what. And Yeah, uh, it's crazy because, like, dude, I was a fuck up with my whole family, bro. Like, I remember, like, family meetings. What are we going to do with Brian? Brian's in, you know, in trouble. We got to go get him. We got to pick him up. He got kicked out of school. And it was, I was just constantly babied by the family, always bailed out. It's like today, it's like, you know, my dad asked me for advice on, on what he should do with his life. And, and like, I've hired my dad at one point. There were so many years of my life where, like, I hated my father. And, like, you know, I had so much judgment towards him. And it's like, now as an adult, like, I get to encourage him with what he wants to do. And I remember, like, we were driving the other day. And he's like, man, you did so good for yourself. You know, I, I lost everything. Like, my, my dad lost everything in 2008 with the real estate and the crash. My dad was down on himself in the car. And he's like, you know... I fucked up everything and I lost it all and, you know, I don't have anything to show for it. And I was like, Dad, look how much better you did than your dad. Correct. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, that's all we can ask for is that you do better than the generation before. Correct. And it, it's cool to be able to, like, lift up my dad and his spirits, you know. I got my dad, and it's crazy because I got my dad a job. I mm -hmm. couldn't even hold a job. I got my dad a job, my mom a job. Mm -hmm. At one point in time, I think I got like six people's job, and they were all working <laughs> for me at the same time because yeah. I always want to give back what I was so freely given to mm -hmm. me because I know I can't keep what I have unless I give it away, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the number one primary purpose is to give it away because you can't keep it, mm -hmm. you know? And, and to be present in my parents' life and my mom and dad and be able to help them, you know, and my brother and my sister, it's like... I couldn't help anybody for years. And what's crazy, I was at the Chick-fil-A, I was cheating on my diet, having an Oreo shake, and I, oh, seen, yeah. <laughs> I seen the EMT there. And I've been wanting to go ahead and, you know, you're not always supposed to go ahead and, you belittle your service down if you go ahead and talk about it, mm -hmm. you know? But I've been meaning to go ahead and buy them lunch, mm -hmm. you know, or buy them dinner or whatever it was. And last time I seen them in somewhere, I didn't buy it to them, I felt bad, mm -hmm. you know? So this time I said, I make it a point. It was kind of nerve wracking. I was mm -hmm. like, I, hey guys, I'm gonna, they're all up with me. You know, and I was there like, no, no, no. And the guys, I took, I was able to go ahead and take care mm -hmm. of them because they saved my life, you yeah. know? And it's, it's all about that, you know, just giving it back, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that I'm still here today doing so wonderful because my life is, I'm super excited to wake up. I've never been more excited in mm -hmm. my life. You know, my life is incredible. And I was able to go ahead and buy these condos by the water over there. And it's crazy because literally, and I, I can't believe you don't remember. It's fine, though. You helped so many people. But <laughs> I was in the back of the car. and you Dropping know, you off? Yeah, you dropped me off. And literally from my balcony, I can see that same exact house where mm -hmm. my last day, my first day sober was, where mm -hmm. we all lived as a family. Well, not a whole family, yeah. but us four. And even when I was uh, living somewhere else down in Flagler Village, I was able to look from my balcony at that victory mm -hmm. meeting. Like yeah. God has a crazy way of showing me where I yeah. started. It's crazy because I live right by the high school. I got kicked out of like a hundred times. So it's like, bro, every day I drive by my old high school. Not everyone like still lives in their town that they grew up in, but like I, I still do. Of course. And it's like, bro, when I drive around Davie, I still drive around the same, bro, my parents live five minutes away. Of course. And the, my parents live in the same house for like 25, yeah, probably 25 years. When I go to their house, like, I think, like, bro, I've smoked crack in this house a thousand times. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, you know, just driving around, like, gas stations or whatever. It's a, it's a surreal feeling, bro. I always tell people it's like living two lives.
Oh, definitely. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like people always say, oh, I can't get sober. They got to do the geographical mm-hmm. move. Like me and you both got sober right here. We're mm-hmm. the same town, the same city that killed us. Yeah. And we're still here with a whole new life, a whole new purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell people all the time, like, bro, you could buy all like the workout shoes and the clothes or whatever. There's someone in prison right now getting fit off honey buns, 100%. you know, just like doing nothing, just push-ups and pull-ups. And it's like when the will is great enough, like there's no circumstance that can take you out, you know? You know, I'm thinking about my buddy, Scott, one of my best friends, this gay guy was the nicest guy in the world. At first I was kind of like, I was kind of off. I didn't know, Uh but he literally took me under his wing, showed me all his tactics, how to sell. He was like one of the best realtors Mm -hmm. in Los Olas. And he ended up when I met him like two years prior, I remember looking on the TV and he ran someone over on a go-ped. And for seven years we were best friends and he went to trial Mm. and and he lost the trial because he ran someone over and killed him. And he's sitting there 15 years right now. And it's just, it, it could happen to any Anybody. one of us. Yeah. It's like so many times that I, I was drinking or driving or doing whatever I was doing that he, I could Was he drinking? Yes. Wow. You know, and it's just like in the denial phase, you yeah. know, it's like he had a huge case going on. Mm-hmm. So like, of course, I mean, I understand the game and the role he was playing, mm-hmm. you know, but he's sitting in there right now. So like when I had my sponsee, like come up with excuses and stuff, it's like these guys would do anything to come out here with a second chance, yeah. you know? But even then, sometimes they come out with a second chance, they still don't even want to go ahead and make right, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I tell people all the time, like, bro, there are people that are dead that can't get a white key tag right now. You know, I feel so bad because I have so many friends that, they might not be like hardcore using, but they're not like in the program. I'm really trying not to be like a, you know, program thumper or yeah, like, you course. know, if you're not really taking care of yourself or really like focusing on like what you can do, it's like you could be doing good for three, four years and decide to use one time and you're dead. It's like, bro, one of my close childhood friends just passed away and uh, the autopsy hasn't came back. But like, we're all pretty sure that it was an overdose. He was that type of kid who he would use twice a year, once a year. And he wouldn't really talk about it. He would say, oh, I I fucked up a couple months ago and just keep it moving. And it's like, dude, you can use once a year and one year. That's just that one time that you, you know, with fentanyl now, it's crazy. bro. With the drugs now, I mean, literally you're gambling with your life. It's a flip of a coin, Mm -hmm. you know, literally. It's just a miracle to be able to even sit here. And it's like, there's so much stuff I could say, but just Mm -hmm. being able to be present and have like a life beyond my wildest dreams. You've seen me how I was for years. Everyone knew me, Mm -hmm. you know, back then. And it's crazy how like, God literally took all those people that I thought were my friends and he replenished me with all new people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's one of the hardest parts about getting clean is turning your back on your boys is that you really feel like you're turning your back on people that were there for you. And, and you feel like you're not going to get new friends correct? because it's like, no one wants to be around you. These friends are the only friends, you know, that you use with. And it really reminds me of like that picture of uh, like a little kid holding a bear and like Jesus is like grabbing it and like he's got like a giant bear behind him. You know what I mean? Truly believe that like when you surrender, there is something bigger and better on the other side. And it might not be like a bigger truck or a bigger house, but it is something different and beyond what you can come up with right now. You know, that's like the whole point of like, you know, higher power is that it sees around the corner when you only see the corner. Of course. You know? You know, and I remember I had a couple of close friends like my buddy Kyle and my buddy Paul that were my childhood friends, but I got to a point that I had no more friends. Yeah. No one wanted anything to do with me. So like friends, like I'd call people and people, they weren't my friends anymore, you know? And, I, and it's funny how I ran into someone driving in Victoria Park and he was on this bike driving. I know he has a good life and I'm not downplaying or whatever. And I know he likes to party and do all this stuff mm-hmm. still, but I was just like, 
he looked at me and I looked at him and I talked to him through the window as I'm driving mm-hmm. and I like to get a coffee with him, but it's, it's just crazy. Like, I'm not saying my life is better than his, mm-hmm. but it's insane what happened to my life and where his life is. And it's just, it's all thanks to the 12 step program. Man, one of uh, my childhood friends sent me uh, a news clipping from someone I grew up with who we used together for years. And bro, this kid was honor classes. We smoked crack together. You know, we sold pills together. I was using harder than him the whole time. He was telling me like, bro, what like, what the fuck is wrong with you, bro? You did everything like in one hour. Like you're not going to save it for tomorrow. I was like, I was way worse than he was, you know, before I got clean. Dude, he's uh, on the road at an intersection you know, carrying a sign. And I drove by there to see if he was still there after the news clip. And he was and like missing half his teeth. Bro, he's my age. He's 32, 33. And he looked like he was 40. I asked him if he wanted to get clean. He's like, I am clean. I'm on methadone. They don't understand, you know. And I, and I remember asking like, bro, do you want to go to a meeting? He was like, why would I need a meeting? And I'm just the denial like, part. I was like, bro, do you want to go to detox? He's like, detox from what? <laughs> I don't know, the methadone, you know? And and then I was like, you want to go to church? Because I know he's like really religious. You know, I was like, you want to, I'll, t- go, <laughs> I'll go anywhere with you, bro. You want to get, I t- asked him, you want to get dinner? You want to get coffee? You know, I, I, I'm not going to force you. You don't want to get clean? That's fine, bro. But like, can I just like talk to you? And Did he talk a little bit? He talked a little bit like on the side of the road, but he didn't want to hang out or do anything. I think it's the shame, the shame maybe. You know, I think that they might think that I'm trying to like convince them to go to meetings or I'm, you know, like, you know, when someone's super religious and they're like trying to like get you to believe in Jesus or something like they think it's like that, you know, like culty like or cult, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I remember even for years, I tried to go ahead and get sober and, you know, I'd see you on Facebook and I'd see you getting all mm-hmm. these years and stuff. And, and, you know, and I was clean or something for like 30 days, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, maybe there's another way for me. There was only one way. There was no other way. It was a 12 step mm-hmm. program. You know, and it's just like everyone else, you know, they want to go ahead and do their own Mm self-will. You know, it's just like you say that people want to go ahead and they want to go to three meetings a week. It's it's always, oh, I got the job. I got to go to the job. I got to go to the gym. And they put everything in front of you. Job, gym, girl. Every time. Mm -hmm. The pink or the green. Every single time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for me, someone told me if I put my recovery first, everything after that will be first class, you know. And I was like, I like that. I never really sat first class. I was like, I like that, you know. So it's just crazy the willingness the gift you know of desperation just the mm-hmm. willingness to just go ahead and i just that hopeless feeling the hatred and just hating yourself and looking at yourself in the mirror and just really not loving that person it's like that killed me for years mm-hmm. you know and, and and when i came into the 12th and then watching everyone progress everybody yeah and it's crazy though it's like you say you watch everyone progress but then if you go ahead and you take health steps back and you go into the 12-step program yeah, everyone might be progressing, but if you're doing the right thing, you're not just going to go, you're going to go shoot straight yeah, vertically crazy. up. And that's literally what happened to us, yeah. which is unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy, man. When people work the program, it's a vertical growth. It's, vertical. it's it's crazy. And it's like, I've seen people get clean, but they don't get a sponsor. And then, you know, they don't work steps and like, they don't do service. And it's just like, like their, their lives aren't horrible. They don't live their dreams. You know, like recovery is about living your a life beyond anything you've ever imagined, you know? And I always tell my sponsees like, bro, you, you can get clean and you can hang out in the back and you can just be clean. Or you can do the work and you can have the most incredible kick-ass life you've ever believed you ever could have. You can impact other people. It's going to be the best high you've ever could imagine. 
ever. You know, last night I was uh, look over, looking the water and stuff, and I'm dancing. I'm like, <laughs> I got engaged in November. Oh, you know, congrats, November, congrats! Which is crazy. Like th- these things happen to us, you know. And <laughs> it's just like I used. To, I remember I used to pray to God to ask God to put a good woman in my life. But I ended up actually. This was actually super powerful. I did the full whole eleven months and twenty three days, no relationships, no sex. Eleven months. Eleven months, twenty three days. Wow. And my sponsor, and then my like grand sponsor. He's actually my sponsor now. He told me, he's like, I want you to go ahead and stay away from relationships and, and women. Mm-hmm. And I was like, these guys are 30 years old. And I'm like, who, who the fuck are you? You yeah. know, but I ended up following that suggestion. And that was where wow. I believe that I got the most growth mm-hmm. because the codependency, I don't have any codependency that mm-hmm. much. Maybe on some things, but I really can't go ahead and think of really what I have. Definitely not in a relationship. Definitely don't make my chick my higher power. Yeah. And it's just crazy. I used to pray to God and God put a beautiful woman in my life that's healthy for my recovery. Mm-hmm. I always find people, they always, in the first year, they get in the new relationship. They mm-hmm. start going on dates. And before you know it, they're off to the races yeah. every single time. Like I learned how to go back out, eat by myself, take myself out to dinner, mm-hmm. buy myself my first outfit, buy myself my first pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I buy so many shoes. Cause I remember I had a picture I showed my buddy the other day. I think the shoes are like three years old, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like to be able to go ahead and be free and do what you want, like, and go through that process. I think you cut yourself short, getting in relationships very quickly. Yeah, and a lot of times it's like uh, the speaker always says, like, nothing good ever happens fast. And it's like everything in my life that happened fast always ended up screwing me over in the long run. And uh, my whole life, I just look for shortcuts. Always. Always trying to find an easier, sillier way. And, like, I was talking to my business partner the other day, and, like, we just started a new business. And he's like, you know why I like this? Because it's fucking hard. He's like, I don't like doing anything that's easy because if it's easy, anyone can do it. And he's like, bro, we can, we only need to do things that are fucking really hard and that like seem impossible. And he's like, that's what we're going to do. And to me, it's like, you know, I tell people all the time, it's like, bro, when you're trying to make a decision, train yourself to do the harder thing. You know, when you're in halfway and your parents say, you know, hey, you can come home. What's harder? Staying in halfway. Staying in halfway. I was like, bro, do the harder thing. Always got to do the harder thing because the harder thing is going to build that muscle in you. Correct. And what are you going to do? You're going to go back to your parents' house? Exactly. You know, it's it's like like you're cutting out your growth. Yeah, bro. And it's like that's that same enabling bullshit that you got you here. You know what I mean? This buddy of mine always says we always want as, you know, alcoholics, addicts, you know, we always want, you know, 12-step program people. We always want the maximum result for the least amount of effort. Mm -hmm. No effort. Yep. No effort, you know. Yeah. We want all the fruit and not the labor. Of course. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. One topic that screws people up a lot. So I'm writing a book called, well, Hell Has an Exit book. It's actually almost almost done. Amazing. And um, it's basically like a 140-page book just breaking down like what people struggle with. And, w- and one of the chapters is called The God Thing. The God Thing is one of the things that some people, they just can't get over it. They just don't have a relationship. They just don't think that it's important. How do you like, you know, explain that to people or how important was it to you or how did you get into that? Well, I remember young, like I was in church. I used to go to church. I was part of some private schools that I used to go to church and stuff like that. But I remember on 595, I was driving and I was going to get something somewhere. And I remember that my relationship with God, I hated God. I said, mm-hmm. I hate God because if God was so real and so pure and so good, I wouldn't be where I am today, mm-hmm. you know? And I hear a lot of people struggle with it a lot of times. And I believe personally, it doesn't matter what your thought process is, is just trusting someone else's, you know, that's been there before. Like the easy part is like, first thing you do in the morning, please keep me sober today. 
at nighttime. Thank you, God, for keeping me sober. That's the most simple prayer ever. I don't care if you want to change the word God. You don't even believe in it. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Just the action and doing it. Yeah, it's like uh, a lot of people get hung up on the G-O-D word, and it's like, if I said positive energy, would that make sense? Correct. It's the same thing. You Correct. know, it's Good like orderly direction, however you want to think I, of it. I used to always be like, oh, I don't believe in God, like, or especially didn't believe in the devil. Like someone was like, oh, the devil's going to get you. I'm like, that's so crazy. But if someone said that there's negative energy and there's negative things and there's negative people, stay away from that. I'd be like, okay. And now the God and the devil doesn't seem so weird to me, you know, because if I just think of it as like negative energy and positive energy, it, it all makes sense. And it's like, I used to go to things and find ways for it not to make sense and find ways for it not to benefit me. Like I'd go to church and be like, this is fucking retarded. And then like eventually you could practice open-mindedness and I would say, I'm going to go and try to see if I could get one thing out of it. And instead of being like, oh, that story isn't real, I would be like, well, that's a good message in that shit. You know of what course. I mean? You know, and I, and I believe just like- And it's like, bro, I could watch a Disney movie and be like, dude, I watched Kung Fu Panda. Incredible. Of course. Yeah. It's just crazy how the whole mind changes. And I remember even early on, like the hardest thing for me to do was sit still. I couldn't sit still mm -hmm. for the love of God. And one whole hour of sitting still somewhere was mm -hmm. just hard. I need to get back into it. What, the part of just sitting Like there? meditation. Bro, when I had five years clean, I was reading The Power of Now. I was going to yoga. I was meditating every single day. You know, like I still pray, but I was praying like all the time and like, you know, when you first start meditating, like, you know, you do three minutes, you think you're like, you keep looking at the time, like, there's no way it's the only, you know, you just like your brain just can't turn off. And then you keep doing it and you keep doing it. It's just like push-ups or pull-ups or anything right. else. You get better at it. And it's like, man, there was a time where I would do 15-minute meditation, 10-minute meditation, and the buzzer would go off. And I'm like, oh, wow, that was fast. Yeah, you know, and I, I've been going to this meditation meeting every Friday. And I, sometimes I miss it if I mm -hmm. want to sleep in a little bit. But that wasn't the case early on. I didn't care if I want to sleep in. My buddy used to wake me up. I was even going to the 6 a.m. meeting for a long time, you know. Mm -hmm. And I wake up and I would just, why is he here? Why am I <laughs> going to this meeting? But I just kept going no matter what. I went no mm -hmm. matter what. Didn't matter how hard it was to go. It was super hard to go for mm -hmm. a long time. You say, you know, we only focus on doing things that are really, really hard. Mm -hmm. It was really, really hard for me to go for a long time. But I went. Anyways, I saw people like you. I saw mm -hmm. other people living a life beyond their wildest dreams, you know? Yeah. And it's like you see, like, uh, like my, my one friend was like, why are all you guys so successful? And I was like, bro, when you do something so hard, you can just apply it to anything, anything. bro. It's like, dude, what we learn in the program, we learn to take direction. We learn to persevere. We learn to keep coming. We learn to show up early and stay late. And we learn to ha keep a good attitude. I was talking to my friend the other day, and uh, he was telling me that he has a son who's in sports, and he says, the only thing that I get upset about my kid when he's playing sports is the two things he can control, attitude and effort. And if his attitude is good and his effort was on point, he can't do no wrong. I'm trying to teach adults that, you know what I mean? Hard, you <laughs> you know? know? And it's crazy. Some people have such a bad attitude. Such a bad attitude. So my negative. sponsor, he just got another sponsor, <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy that he got mm -hmm. another sponsor. If he's listening to it, it's fine, mm -hmm. you know, because, like, I believe we try so hard to help people because we know how hopeless mm -hmm. and how much help we need it. And sometimes it could be almost enabling. But I don't know, for some reason, when I started getting months and years, I don't know, I just had a good attitude. Everything I have in my life is because I have a good attitude and I apply a large amount of effort in mm -hmm. everything I do. 
the maximum effort and everything. doesn't mm-hmm. matter. We don't get tired. Like Kevin says, your buddy, yeah, Kevin, yeah, you know, yeah. I remember texting you in 18. I texted mm-hmm. you a picture. I'm like, yeah, that's my buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. Like the people God puts in your yeah, life, yeah. like just by staying sober and doing the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, what else is going on? Just super, <laughs> super excited to live. You know, um, like I said, you know, my sister was able to get 30 days. She's all locked awesome. in and she texted me last night because she got my friend as a sponsor and I help all these girls, guys. And, and, I, and I don't go ahead and mix into the program, mm-hmm. you know, like the relationships. My girl's not in the program. It's like my first sponsor he was a sh- super guy from New York. He would always say, you know, two sickies never make a welly. The reason for that is just like I help these girls and it's like I'm able to have a lot of girlfriends like Mm -hmm. as my friends that I only want the best for them. So my Mm -hmm. dear friend Christy was able to go ahead and sponsor my sister. And then last, you know, and I was like, how cool is that? You know what's so funny? I went to the gun range on uh, Sunday and I ran into Dana G, Tall Dana. Tall Dana. I have to see her photo. I'll send you a picture, but I ran into her. I probably haven't seen her in like a year. And like every time I see her, it's just like flashbacks because she's been on the show before, but like we used together. And, I, and like she was talking to me for a while and we were just talking because we we're going to the spiritual retreat on Thursday. And my friend came up to me after and I was like, yeah, bro, me and that girl used to smoke crack together. It's and it's just like, it's crazy, bro. It's like, you know, growing up where you used, where, and she's clean 12 years. Wow. 12 years. So it's like when I share my story, it like doesn't feel real or like it, I've do, I do it so many times I don't have a lot of emotion to it. But when you run into people you used to use with. Flashbacks. Yeah, man. It's just like gratitude super gratitude you know and Mm -hmm. it's just like and then she was texting me she has this other lady that's my dear friend the sweetest older lady ever Mm -hmm. always giving everyone little gifts little cards a small little thing Mm -hmm. just to make these new commercial welcome she's like yeah she's like i i asked her to be my sponsor i'm like well did you tell your sponsor that you're leaving her she's like oh well i talked to my other sponsor she co-sponsor i'm like listen just pick one sponsor i'm like Mm -hmm. talked and then she's like texting me these paragraphs i'm like just talk to your sponsor yeah (laughs) you know i can't be your sponsor you know just to, you know, be here and just be live. Like, I remember when I walked in your door, I instantly got goosebumps. Like, to just be present, you know, yeah. and like have a life like this today is just, mm-hmm. it's extraordinary, you know, like, and I'm not talking about an all the material, just inside internally. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to wake up, you know, from a guy yeah. that used to hate to wake up, wouldn't mm-hmm. leave bed. I remember 4th of July, I'm sitting there, all the fireworks are going off. I'm in bed. Mm-hmm. I'm depressed. I hate life. I was just watching this Instagram thing and uh, this guy was talking to like these two people over the phone and he was like, let me tell you something. If I gave you, you know, $5 million, would you be happy? He was like, oh, fuck yeah. And he's like, could anything ruin your day? If you got $5 million today, could anything, you've heard this? He's like, could anything ruin it? And the guy was like, no, bro, if I got $5 million, he's like, how could my day get ruined? And then he was like, what if I gave you $15 million? He was like, yeah, bro. Like, he's like, he's like, you would be happy all day. He was like, all day. I mean, of course. And then I was like, okay, what if I gave you $15 million, $15 million, but you couldn't wake up tomorrow? He's like, nah, no way. And he was like, so you're saying that waking up, just being able to wake up is more valuable than $15 million. So why aren't you just walking around happy that you get to wake up? You know, and it's like little things like that. It's like, man, we get so sidetracked with life. And like me watching it, I was like, damn, that's crazy. Cause like there are things that I let ruin my day all the time. There are things that piss me off and things don't go my way. And you know, I get mad at fucking insurance companies or fucking my car. It's like, dude, we get to wake up tomorrow. Correct. With a new chance, new opportunity, you know, new way to yeah, go ahead and just, just, just the chance to even ruin a day. You know what I mean? It's amazing. Like, it's just, 
You know, I'm filled with gratitude, you know, just to go ahead and just be alive and be present. And I just never forget. I believe that's the most important thing. My one sponsor, my first sponsor used to always tell me, never forget that last time you use, you know, Mm -hmm. and that pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization, you know. And always remember, and just like with anything, it's like, you know, it's just once we start, we cannot stop. You know, it's just the phenomenon of craving. Like I said, even with the vape, I stopped mm-hmm. for one year. It's like anything, I have that in me, you yeah. know, and it's just, but we go in and we apply that effort, you know, mm-hmm. or that attitude to what we want in life. Yeah. You know, there's no telling where you're going to end up mm-hmm. as long as you don't pick up no matter what, mm-hmm. you know. When I first got clean, I had this issue because I was like, well, am I just addicted to meetings? Because I would hear people say things like, I need to go to a meeting every day or I don't feel fine. And I'd be like, well, that's kind of crazy. You know, it seems like you're just replacing one addiction for the other. In the beginning, you need to move the pendulum as hard and fast as you can and then find balance. You need to go as hard as you can, build the foundation in two, three, four years, and then you can find a little bit of balance. But for me, it's like an addiction ruins your family life, ruins your spirit, and destroys your finances and where you live. To me, it's like that's an addiction. Does recovery do that? No. Does working out do that? No. Am I a workaholic? No. You know, you're a workaholic if you're telling your family you're going to be somewhere on Thanksgiving and you're not. Correct. You know, you're a workaholic if you're overworking and not eating for three days. You know what I mean? Like, like that would be an addiction. But, you know, man, if you love to freaking golf or you love to fucking scuba dive or you love if you love to work and that's just where you feel good at, that's what you, what you want to do with your life. If you become obsessive and compulsive to achieve your dreams, like, there's nothing wrong nothing with that. Nothing wrong with it. You know, I remember just wait, probably last week, uh, I was literally laying in bed and just how fast time goes. Like staying sober, like you're like uh, six years, you know, six years is like, I couldn't even get six months, yeah. let alone six years, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, I was laying in bed and I was like cross-referencing from where I was living across the street when mm-hmm. I can see from my home from the condo and my mm-hmm. last day where I was living and just how fast life goes. You know, it's like when we're out there using and all that stuff, like we don't even realize how fast life goes. There's pretty mm-hmm. much four sets to the year, 90, 90, 90. And then we already have a whole nother year. You know, mm-hmm. my dad just turned 16. It's just like, I just want to live. Yeah. For so long, I wanted to die. And now all I want to do is live, give back, mm-hmm. and just go ahead and wake up and go ahead and see what God has in store for me. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, man, I want to appreciate you coming on the show. Love Thank you very you so much. much. It's Love good to see you, bro. Too, it's so cool to see you. Like, when I see your posts, I'm just like, wow, it's, it, it's, it inspires me, bro. Thank you, bro. You know, because there's Appreciate so many you. people that, like, don't take the suggestions and, and pass away, man. Like, man, we've been to so many funerals and seen so many people die smarter than us. You know what I mean? Better people than us, you know? No, thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. You know, you always lead by example every time I see you on and just mm-hmm. doing what you're doing. It's just like, there he is. Yeah. You know, and we got to stay in the middle and that's what we do. And mm-hmm. that's why we're here. Hey, thank you, bro. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833 833- nine 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 one eight seven seven to speak to a specialist the show is sponsored by united recovery project a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility you can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.